0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, it's time for the Medical Association of Georgia's Top Docs Radio Show, which is made possible with a grant from Healthcare Research, a subsidiary of Alliant Health Solutions. Visit mag.org and follow MAG on Twitter and Facebook at MAG1849 to find out why MAG is recognized as a leading advocate for physicians in Georgia. Hey, what's up, everyone? It is C.W. Hall, your host here on the Top Docs Radio Show. We're continuing our series with the Medical Association of Georgia. I'm real pleased to have with me in the studio, Donald Palmisano.
1: Well, thank you. Glad to be, uh, glad to return.
0: You want to introduce us to our guests today?
1: We've got two of our uh, very vocal members within the Medical Association of Georgia. Dr. Ali Rahimi, uh, cardiologist with uh, the Permanente uh, Medical Group, but also, uh, and also uh, Dr. Charles Wilmer, uh, cardiologist
0: with Piedmont Physicians Group. Well, I'm pleased to have you all here, and I, I the the topic is is one that I think is is useful from a couple of different directions. If you spend any time, at least in the Atlanta area, I'm sure this is true for pretty much everywhere. You don't have to drive very far to see somebody in the lane next to you, or front or behind you, maybe coming from the other direction that is clearly involved in something that is not paying attention to the road. I've seen some pretty entertaining ones from my perspective in terms of the extent at which people will take their mind off of driving. One of my favorites was uh, a woman that had her hands through the steering wheel. So imagine you resting your hands through the middle of the steering wheel with her hands together, holding a device uh, between, the, between the steering wheel. Their hands weren't even on the on the wheel steering it with her wrists. And I like the book's parked in front of the steering wheel too. That's one of my favorite ways for people to drive around the city with their face in, the, in, a, in a reading book. Um, so I'm really pleased to get into this conversation with how do we go about addressing this and how big of a problem is it? Would, would you all like to kind of get into talking about just how big of a problem is distracted
2: driving? Well, I think <clears throat> uh, it's a huge problem and one which doctors really didn't know much about. So CWI, I think, uh, we started this conversation with the doctors with Medical Association of Atlanta and MAG by asking what would make it different for patients walking down Peachtree Street. We started going back and asking our patients, so what's important to you? What would you like to see the Medical Association do? And the patients quickly told us, get the cell phones out of people's hands. They're killing people. I was kind of surprised because I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I've seen people cross lanes and do crazy things like you are, but I didn't think it was that big of a deal. So we started asking other patients, and we got graphic pictures of delivery trucks going down the side of patients' cars to finally, I almost got run over myself, and I I was jogging down um, the road and looked up and saw a guy, look down the road, see the curve, and lock the steering wheel with his feet and start texting as he was driving down the road, and when he went by me, he never saw me, and he missed me by about one foot. And so I thought, boy, this really is a bigger deal than I realized. So we started doing some research, and about that time, one of our physicians was killed uh, riding with a bunch of other uh, bicycle riders, and a distracted 21-year-old just ran him over. Mm-hmm. And it was tragic, for, of course, for him. Uh, his wife lost a husband, his daughters lost a father, and 3,000 patients lost their doctor. And the 21-year-old who killed him will never be the same either. So. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a big deal for all of us. And then I met uh, my friend Ali, and I let him tell you his story, because as I was explaining this to him, he felt just as strong, if not stronger, than myself. Ali? Thank you, Charles. And CW, thank you for having us. You know, as uh, Dr. Wilmer speaks
3: to, um, I-, I believe that um, it's become so prevalent that we will um, all eventually know somebody that's been affected by this. Mm-hmm. Uh, to add some um, some data behind this, one um, Distracted driving is responsible for about 16% of all fatal crashes uh, in the U.S. So that translates you to over 5,000 lives taken every year um, I- across the country. Though technology is great and wonderful and adds value to our lives, but um, at, at, at some point uh, while you're driving a, a couple-ton vehicle, it becomes very dangerous. As physicians in the community and partnering with the Medical Association of Georgia, with uh, Donald Palmisano and his team, we, fought, we felt that this would be a, a, a very important public health uh, intervention to take on.
0: 16% of the fatalities, and when you think about, what is it, roughly around 30,000 or so a year, people dying in car crashes, which baffles me, um, <coughs> uh, what, I, I'm imagining that the overall percentage of reasons for the crash to begin with, not counting the fatality people, the just people who are injured, it's got to be approaching 25% or 30, you know, 30% when you combine the people that aren't Aren't killed by the accident, so it's pretty significant. And like I say, I mean, I spend a ton of time in traffic in Atlanta, and it is it is heavy, heavy use uh, of devices. And I think that part of that seems to be at least around the city because we spend so much time in creeping traffic that there's a sense of security, I guess, because you're not maybe moving very fast or something like that. But it's it's surprising the number of, of people who are are doing this. And when it comes to trying to do something about it, one of the things that I was going to try to find out from your perspective is, is as a healthcare clinician, who's dealing with patients in the office, is that something that you can get to and interacting with them from, from that perspective, or do we need to go about it more from a legislative perspective and try to make it harsh legally to, to be using a device or something like that?
2: Well, I think that's a great question. I'm afraid we're going to have to have legislative help. I think this is one of those situations where it's never going to happen to us. And so if you look at the national perspective, there are about 660,000 people on the road at any given time with a cell phone in their hand. That's a a staggering number of people. And these people are driving two-ton missiles. And all they've got to go is 10 degrees off center, and they're heading into oncoming traffic. And there's the problem. You don't need that many percentage points to start killing a lot of people. The second thing is that when people don't get killed, but they're in chronic back pain, they've been maimed for life, those statistics aren't out there. So we know that, for instance, in Georgia, 430 people died last year that could have been prevented if we had a cell phone ban. So we lost 430 of our compatriots that we could have saved. There are about 15 uh, states, including uh, Washington, that block this and don't allow cell phones to be used while you're driving. And this is not just texting, but you can't be talking. You can't be holding the cell phone. So you can use Bluetooth, but you can't be holding the phone and being distracted. And their mortality rates are less than ours. And when when we did the math, we figured out that last year, because we didn't have the ban, 430 people died. So I guess my question is, how many more years do we go with 430 people dying before we finally say we can prevent this?
0: When it comes to Georgia versus the rest of the country, I mean, how, how, how extensive are the laws around the country that are trying to deal with this? I know a number of states have various laws in place to try to tackle it, but...
3: Certainly, there's uh, some variation in the laws, but um, ultimately, to your original question, I think it's a combination of legislative priority, and it's a public health um, intervention. But we need to both work with our medical societies with our, our, our communities, our leaders in organized medicine. How do we go about engaging our patients to be um, partners um, in this effort? Uh, we're um, in, in, in talks around um, having um, patient forums with our societies to engage our members, um, see uh, how they can help us with this. Certainly there, there needs to be a lot of education. That education can start uh, very young in, in the schools. We have many teenagers uh, that have phones and they're driving and they're 16 or 17 years old. You know, I myself, on my way to Savannah to submit this uh, resolution with Dr. Wilmer, I was struck in the back on on I-75 by a 19 year old who was texting and driving. And I've been dealing with chronic back pain for the past five months now, going to physical therapy every week. So uh, it affects many of our lives. And I think the best strategy is uh, multifocal, just coming at it from various angles.
0: Now, when it comes to getting into the legislative approach, Donald, I know that there's been some legislation proposed, Representative Betty Price introduced in Georgia trying to get at this very issue. Can you talk a little bit about that? What's what's it trying to do and how will it affect this?
1: The bill is House Bill 163, and and we can't thank Representative Price enough for her efforts on, on this issue, but also Representative Watts and others who have been very vocal on this issue over the last few years. Part of the challenge that you run into is like anything else, with any piece of legislation, it takes some time to educate the legislators on the issue to really find out what are some of the concerns of some of the other groups. How do you get patients involved, people that are out there, the citizens of the state? And so this is really the beginning of the process legislatively. One of the benefits that the legislature does do is that they hold study committee hearings um, over the summer. Back in the Great Recession When that was going on, there weren't a lot of study committees, so they didn't have that opportunity to fully vet ideas and to really look at things and say, okay, how do we find a solution for the problem that's out there? House Resolution 282 by Representative John Carson, it's in rules committee right now at the time of this taping, but what what could happen is that that would be a study committee that will be over the summer, and then that will really get towards the solution and, and potentially come up with legislation that all parties out there, whoever agrees or disagrees, can live with. And hopefully that'll get some movement. But typically things take a couple of years to move in the legislature just because it's, it, things have to be fully vetted.
0: When it comes to getting into this kind of an issue, what are, the, what are the roadblocks, if you will? What are the things that give people pause? If I'm a legislator, just saying, sure, let's, let's do this. There's other states that are already in motion. What gets in the way? I mean, you know, are there some sticking points that, that you have to consider that may not necessarily be obvious?
1: Well, you know, uh, that's the whole purpose of of the vetting process, because a lot of times while we see the issue from one perspective of right. saying, OK, we've seen some we've seen these deaths, we've seen the injuries that result from all this. The flip side is how does that impact other people that may be in areas that aren't as populated as Georgia or rural areas? You don't we, we don't know that for years. Senator Don Thomas, who used to be uh, chairman of the health committee in the Senate, he pushed a bill that that uh, was called the seatbelt bill, and it required seatbelt for pickup trucks. Well, there were a lot of for a couple of years. There were people that said, "Well, you know, we live in in these rural areas. You know, we're, we're in in kind of these vacant spaces, and and so when you're talking about seatbelts, where these are trucks that we're doing work with and things like that, and and it was an interesting perspective because yes. we didn't see it from their particular perspective. We were looking at it from a population center perspective. Now, eventually the bill passed and became law, and, and, and that was a great thing because it's a patient safety issue and a, and a public safety issue. And so those are the type of things where you really don't, there may be somebody that has a different perspective or it impacts them differently, and that's the whole purpose of the vetting process in the legislature.
0: Yeah, interesting. You know, I'm, I'm sure that there are some challenges that one wouldn't necessarily contemplate when it comes to talking about this particular type of legislation, where they have done so. Are we finding that the trend lines of their injury and and mortality related to vehicle accidents, are they declining, um, as you would hope, once they've put those types of laws in place?
2: Yeah, so you you can see in in New York, California, uh, those states have stepped up to the plate and been very clear. My daughter just moved to California. She learned very clearly that the cell phone would not be used when she was driving. Their fatality rates are significantly lower. Since they put that legislation in, even in Europe, governments are scrambling to get the cell phones out of people's hands because as they've looked at their, their data, their mortality rates are going up. Uh, and for a while, mortality rates were going down because cars were mm-hmm. safe and we had airbags. And now, all of a sudden, they're realizing that the mortality rates are going up. And so they're scrambling. And uh, I know in London, it's uh, 200 pounds uh, for your first offense. And then they'll take your phone away from you if they catch you doing it again. So I do think... Um, Some states are learning from other states, and I think in our case, we've got a chance to really make a difference. The problem is that how do you tell someone who's driving uh, a two-ton bomb that's going to take them a football field to react? In other words, with the car going 60 miles an hour, if they have a cell phone and they look down at that cell phone, by the time they look up, they better hope they have at least a football field's Uh, worth of timing to get their car under control because that's how fast they'll go by the time they they get distracted and they get reconnected to the road but as you know people pull in front of you right 10 feet so you don't have a football field so part of it's the humility of realizing i could really wreck my car or i could kill somebody and second of all the time it takes to look down look back up you will go a full football field and so it's it's a big deal in that regard and you got to imprint people young like you said Because people get used to cell phones, and the cell phone smartphone ownership is now up to 80% now Mm -hmm. in 25-year-olds and 30-year-olds. So it used to be we didn't have small smartphones, it wasn't a big deal. Now everybody's got them. Now we got to deal with them.
0: I I can see where this is one of those types of issues, really, that that will only grow both in terms of probably these types of statistics as well as efforts to try to control them. Because when I look at my daughter's generation, she's just turned 13, getting ready to be 14. I mean, she's had a phone or a device of some kind for a while now. And so that generation of young people, they're just used to it being in the hands all the time. I'm curious from the perspective of do you have recommendations on how do you you go about trying to get your kids to not do that once they're driving? I, I guess one thing we can do is as the adult in the car, make sure that we're not doing it.
2: Well, (laughs) uh, the interesting thing I've learned about this is I'm very grateful for Donald and the doctors in Georgia because I really think that it's an honor to be a doctor in Georgia and to have the Medical Association of Georgia Doctors get together so quickly on this issue. So they realize the profound nature of the problem, and they all came together at the House of Delegates this year and said, we will move on this. And Donald's done a great job getting our legislators to understand that we're not turning back from this. We will get this legislation done in a way that protects our patients because our first responsibility is to our patients. So Donald, thank you. And thank you all doctors across Georgia for helping in this. I also think Ali, tell us a little bit more about how you feel like we should change this for our kids and for the people who are getting in their cars today. Yeah, that,
3: that's an excellent question. You know, uh, honestly, I think, um, again, uh, the legislative is is one area, but we really need to focus and I think the education and the lessons need to be learned from the home. And I think um, as our children look to us and our habits, you know, uh, do you have cell phone free times, whether it's uh, at dinner time? We already know through the Academy, uh, American Academy of Pediatrics, that too much screen time is not good for children. And um, now with these smart devices, you know, are we using it too much as a babysitter to keep them quiet? Mm. And so we have to be really mindful because these habits will continue. And when they become teenagers or drivers, then they'll be that much more um, really genuinely addicted to it. And I think uh, as it's become so prevalent that we do ourselves, find ourselves that we may be at a traffic light and by impulse, we gravitate towards that phone. We have to look at it. We always have to be connected and on. And I think that disconnection needs to begin at the home, such that when you're at the home, when you're spending quality time, disconnect. Uh, When you're in the car, disconnect. There are these great signs that says um, billboards and that says it can wait. So I think the partnership begins, you know, certainly with the, with the family and home, parents, um, the cell phone manufacturers, telecommunications, the advertising, the public service announcements that can be made, both from government, advocacy groups, uh, also working in the community. So we're here on this show, uh, thanks uh, to you and, and to Donald, um, but we'd like to encourage and ask any organization or individual that wants to be active in their community, in their neighborhood please reach out to the Medical Association of Atlanta, Medical Association of, Medical Association of Georgia, and we'd love to partner with everyone so that between now and the next legislative session, uh, we can uh, generally
2: escalate this. And I would add, I would challenge the CEOs of Georgia to step forward on this issue. One of the CEOs that, uh, as a patient of mine, put it best, I think, when he said, Charles, I've never taken a phone call they couldn't have waited until I pulled the car over. Not once.
0: Yeah, I, I think that that is true, and I, I know that I have been somebody myself. I've I've been guilty of uh, you know usually the times I'm grabbing the phone usually it's around a map program, and I think that's that's, a, that's another one of those things where it's like how do you how do you try to deal with that so that you're not futzing with it while you're driving, um, and that's another thing that I think about, for example, because I I definitely use ways around here to try to navigate around traffic. Um, and so have to access that, uh, application a fair amount. Like you say, you pull up to a stop sign or you, you know, you pull over to try to put some directions in, um, to, or, or an address into your phone. And, and I think about that. I think about the fact that we're in the car, my daughter's with me. I don't want to teach her that there's really any good time to be messing with it. Uh, it's definitely going through my mind at the time. And I'm, that is helping me to do a little bit better, because I know for myself, I would hate to have my daughter in, experience that, either being the victim of it or to the individual, like you mentioned, Ali, around one that bumped into your car. That could have been you know, that much worse, and that's life-changing for them. So I would hate for that. to.
2: One uh, of the stories that a patient uh, told me that I'll never forget is a lady in a Suburban ran a stoplight. And he was about to pull out, and he just got this sick sense that he's about to get killed. I think this was a three-ton bomb she was driving, <laughs> and so he followed her, and she went 25 miles an hour up to the next stoplight and then stopped, and he was furious, you know, one of these kind of guys that wanted to get out of the car, so he drove up next to her and looked, and she was FaceTiming, and so she never saw the stoplight, and so she never saw him, and he he realized, oh my gosh, that lady would have killed me because she never was looking like you said. Can Can we in our
0: Physicians' practices and and the point of care, can, can we have an impact if we talk about it, do you think?
2: I think we can. The problem for physicians is, especially with electronic medical records, we are already having such a limited amount of time with our patients. We would love to have more time with our patients, but by the time we do all the paperwork for the insurance companies and the government, there's very little time to talk with the patient. And when you start taking away their goodies, their comfort, their cell phone, their connectivity, Those discussions take a little time. And so, yes, I think the doctors should do it. But I understand when they're an hour behind or half an hour behind, it's not as conducive to be able to talk to them as we'd like. I think Ali's point is if our parents and if we as parents really have these discussions at home and lead from the home, that's probably going to be a lot more effective. If our community leaders lead, I think doctors can put posters up. We can't have discussions about it. I can also understand when the doctors are limited in their time, to talk about something else besides that patient's health care could be taxing for them.
0: I know as more understanding has come into the forefront around the the scope of this problem, the seriousness of it, that just, just in terms of how much time people are spending with their devices and young people in particular, I know that there's a number of applications makers that are coming out now with things that will basically take your take your social media apps for example off of your phone um, it doesn't remove them but you can't see them for a, a period of time you can basically make them do not disturb and i thought it was interesting that we have you know like i said my daughter is a teenager and she definitely has her phone either engaging with her friends or watching videos of different kinds that's where she consumes most of her media content is through her phone rather than on television and we were as parents, starting to say we we need to spend a little bit less time with the with the device, and I was pleased to see that uh, she actually agreed and and found an application that helps her do that. I'm, I'm I'm curious, are you all seeing similar things in the community around applications that are having some measure of success or that that you might recommend?
3: That that's a great point, Cw. I mean, there's certainly this is technology, so there's a technol t- technological fix for this as well, certainly. Um, if the you're in the car and you're moving at a certain rate, it can be disabled. It can either be disabled whether the car manufacturers want it disabled or whether the telecommunications company wanted disabled. I think uh, the, the, the fix is there um, and the, um, the opportunity is there. I think adding voice to this, raising awareness, using data to demonstrate that, generally this is becoming an epidemic mm-hmm. um, and no different. Then the 1980s when uh, you know Mad came out, Mothers Against uh, Driving, you know, dr- driving and drinking, or driving drunk. Uh, we need to engage our patients to partner with our medical societies very effectively, because even if we do get it passed into law, the enforcement is a completely different matter. Yeah. Uh, the police officer at that time, um, back in October when I was in my accident, um, you know, conveyed to me that it's very difficult to enforce. Um, there is already a law against texting and driving. But what he reported is they have to um, go incognito at an at a, at a, at a, uh, intersection and wait until there's a, a red light to see who goes on their phone. And then they pull them over. So I think it needs to be a lot of public advocacy, a lot of folks coming on the air, sharing patient stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's that partnership because getting into laws is just, I think, the, the very beginning uh, of this battle. This is going to take years of work um, to make this happen.
0: And to go back to the law that we're trying to put into place now, it's trying to get me to not be able to be holding my phone when I'm traveling in the car as a driver.
2: Right? Right. So you can put it on a remote stand. Yeah. Uh, You can use your Bluetooth through your navigation system. If you have an emergency, you can use a hand phone. So if somebody has an emergency, they can pull the hand phone and use it in their hand. Otherwise, we want it out of your hand. We want your hands on the steering wheel, and we want your focus forward.
0: When it comes to garnering more support for this bill. Obviously, the physicians in the Medical Association of Georgia and other societies around the state are getting together to try to help this move forward. Other things that folks can do to maybe try to bring this through to fruition?
1: Um, I would say that uh, Dr. Rahimi as well as Dr. Wilmer brought up the idea of of, uh, patient forums. Uh, Through the Medical Association of Atlanta, and we have a great relationship with the Medical Association of Atlanta. We do a lot of work together. That's one of the first ways to do it. I would defer to y'all and some other thoughts that y'all had been talking about.
2: One thing that strikes me interesting is Mad. Of course, um, we we uh, challenge them to think a little bit broader and consider themselves mothers against distracted driving. Because frankly, if someone kills my kid, I really it doesn't make me feel any better that the person wasn't drunk. They were just on a text, texting on the phone because I've lost my child. Mm-hmm. So I think it's personal. I think we need to make it personal. And I think MAD and other organizations have a tremendous opportunity to help us get this out on Peace Street, this, get this out where it really affects everybody. Because I think, like Ali said, the legislators can do their part, but the real fight, as far as I'm concerned, is person to person, it's family to family. We have to care about our neighbors, we have to care about our friends, and we have to care about our family. And there's a chance that one of us could lose a loved one if we don't do a good job on this one. So I think we have to act.
0: I know, obviously, having an intoxicant on board is, is compromising with regards to your ability to drive the vehicle. But, I mean, just imagine how, in my mind, it's almost more severe to not be looking where you're going. You're literally taking your eyes
2: completely off the road. Well, Motor Trend actually did some research on this. And so they took uh, someone and gave them a beer and ran them through a course. Then they had them get on their cell phone and talk, and they ran them through the course. And then they had them text and run through the same course. And what they found was it was a lot safer to drink than it was to text. The, The texting just took them totally out. They were knocking cones over left and right. If they were on the cell phone, it was as if they were drunk. So actually drinking wasn't any worse than talking on the cell phone. And it was safer than texting, which I was amazed at. Mm-hmm. Uh, but watching some of my colleagues drive down Peachtree Street, I agree with them. So yeah. I think we've just got to get our heads around the thought that uh, drinking is not accepted because we saw people get killed. And we yes. finally rose up and said, enough is enough. If you right. want to drink, stay at home. Same thing with the cell phone. The cell phone is an intoxicant, like you said. And I think, CW, that's, this is an opportunity to make the streets safer.
0: Are there resources that you recommend out there that folks engage with of, of any kind to, uh, to learn more about the, the legislation that's underway or to get more information about how they can get involved with this?
3: I can defer to Donald, but we're certainly in the very beginnings of this legislative effort. Um, you know, There's been a, a significant legislative agenda for the Medical Association of Georgia. We always, every year, uh, try to um, advance many uh, on behalf of our patients, um, and, and that's paramount. So we'll be very much looking forward to, you know, we have um, information on our websites, um, hopefully through this radio show, Donald posts um, messages on, on, on Facebook and, um, and, and other social media platforms. But I think, you know, we're at, we're at a point now with the legislative session winding down, coming together, um, maybe engaging some of our patients and seeing how they can help us, some, um, you know, anyone from a, a church group or to MAD, and um, creating uh, public information flyers, you know, um, you know, ways that we can get this message out. Before now, in the next next legislative session,
1: yeah. One of the other things is that uh, we will have the, the legislative session ends on Thursday at midnight. So the legislature, for those that 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 don't or aren't as familiar with it, is that it's forty legislative days, which is generally about three months. And so uh, we have it on our website at www.mag.org, which is m-a-g.org. Mm-hmm. We've got a, a, in our carousel basically how you can keep up with the updates on on legislation that we're tracking and, and, and um, dealing with. And so it will be updated as of basically early next week because Thursday night at midnight, then it takes us a little time to comb through the bills because the way the process works is these next two days, bills that may not have been going somewhere may appear on other bills uh, wow. through the use of the process that goes on down there. So it takes a little bit of time with all the chaos to go through the bills, to make sure what exactly passed and what did not pass. Uh, but there's also other websites, um, just in terms of information outside of the legislative side of it. Um, you've got distraction, uh, D-I-S-T-R-A-C-T-I-O-N dot gov, which is the official U.S. government website for distracted driving. Um, also, you've got NST c.org which is the website of the national safety council and then they have on that website you can download the free cell phone policy kit to help which helps employers to reduce crashes Uh, one of the other things i think with the distracted driving is that aside from the deaths and, and and the safety aspect of it just one other point to consider if you're sitting at a red light and we're all trying to get somewhere how often does it, uh, are you stuck, do you catch that light again because somebody was sitting there texting yes. or playing with their phone? Now, we'd be curious to take a look at what, how much longer now than it was 10 years ago at a red light, because you know the red lights are on a mm-hmm. on a sequence, right? Mm-hmm. How much longer is being afforded? Because in the past, it would be the first car would go and then a second later, the next car. Is it up to two seconds? Is it up to four seconds? So- I, I would be, I would dare say that it does contribute to uh, the increased traffic for those of us that live in Atlanta yeah. have to deal with. Oh, I'm sure. And so that's a that's a frustrating point from a driver sitting behind that red light who, when you look over and you see that person not paying attention, and now impacts everybody else.
0: And it, it, on that kind of note, it's interesting because I can see where someone might think, "Well, I'm at a stoplight, so it's not dangerous for me to." take my phone out, the challenges you're describing is if then by being distracted, I don't notice the traffic is pulled away from me and now I'm holding up traffic, then that contributes more to the, the traffic problem in and of itself and more aggressive driving from people as they get aggravated about it. It can cause a cascade of re- reaction. Even just that simple act of delaying people as you're talking about, because like you say, I know I have spent a few minutes in traffic here in Atlanta. And when I ever have it delayed that much more by someone doing something silly as around the way they're driving. It, it makes it that much worse. So I can see where that is no safer really in the end than, than doing it while you're on the move. Right. Any final thoughts? I know we've got you all in the middle of your day and there's much for you to do, but I'm very pleased that we had an opportunity to connect on this and maybe try to influence some folks to help raise awareness among their own network about what they're trying to do with distracted driving.
2: You know, the interesting thing is that Georgia Department of Transportation has been doing research on this. And almost 1,600 people died on Georgia roads in 2016. And the number has been going up. So 25% more people died in Georgia in 2016 compared to 2014 because of distracted driving. And so 74% of the above accidents were directly tied to the driver's behavior, often texting and driving. 65% of the accidents were also caused by the driver failing to stay in their lane, just what you were saying. Mm -hmm. Now, that's interesting. In comparison, only 39% of the fatalities had to do with the car occupants not wearing any seatbelts, according to the DOT. So now we did a good job with the seatbelts. We feel strongly about (laughs) the seatbelts, and now we're killing people for another reason. So I think, you know, life is ever-changing, And we have to put our priorities down and say life is the most important gift that we have. As a doctor, our patient is our most important asset. And so we've got to make it safer for them. And this is a real problem. And the Department of Transportation has very clearly stated that this is a number one problem for Georgia.
0: Well, I know I'll take it seriously and work to continue to improve those things in our family and how we approach them. Um, and I'll throw the challenge out there to our listeners. You know, do what you can for yourself, and certainly help your children to to learn because they're uh, as much as I am glued to my device. I know my kid is, <laughs> doubly so. So hopefully, we can have an impact. Through just this conversation alone, much less if we're successful in being able to get legislation that will make it that much more difficult, uh, make people think about it that much more. Because that's really what it comes down to. As you talked about, it's really our driver behavior, and it doesn't really matter what the law is if I'm not paying attention to it. So having just this be top of mind for that many more people hopefully will result in something positive.
2: You know, and using new technology to me is, is that's really what I'm very interested in. If you look at um, sudden death and you look at Tom Price helped me get the Good Samaritan Law uh, and Jack Hill and um, Tom Murphy uh, through in one year. And basically, when they understood the technology, we had a Good Samaritan Law that says that any citizen who tries to help another citizen using an automatic defibrillator to save their life uh, is protected by the state of Georgia. Now, if you go out to Hartsfield, you'll see Hartsfield-Jackson Airport has a, a AED within sight. Any Carter you're walking down. There are numerous children at ball games that are alive because we've adopted this technology. There are numerous people who fly through Georgia who are alive because we've adopted this technology. Betty Price, interestingly, is now helping us with this technology. I think these are advances that we can control, and these are advances that we can use to actually save lives, not lose them. So I'm excited about the technology. I just think we have to learn how to control ourselves with it.
0: I think you're right, and and I'm definitely pleased to help be a part of that. If you've not done so already, in the upper left-hand corner of the show page, you'll see the Apple logo there. That'll take you over to the iTunes store where the podcast lives, and you can subscribe to Top Docs Radio. That way, when the new episode comes out each week, it's downloaded straight to your device, ready for you to check out when it's convenient for you. We hope you turn around and share this information. We're really trying to... Uh, help drive greater awareness around this clearly it's a big deal we've got hundreds of people in our state thousands of people around our country who are being killed every year not to mention the ones like dr rahimi here who's been a victim of an accident by a distracted driver who's now dealing with ongoing pain so it it is a it is a huge issue it's one that has seismic effect really on the, the on those involved so we appreciate you helping us get the word out for sure
1: I want to say thank you to Drs. Rahimi and Wilmer for taking time out of their schedule today because Mm -hmm. they're both cardiologists. They don't get the opportunity to go take regular lunches like like the rest of society. They work throughout the day. They're on call. They're dealing with procedures and dealing with emergencies. So for them to be able to take an hour off was like moving a mountain to get both of them here Mm -hmm. at the same time. So I want to say thank you to them for that. I also want to say thank you because this is an issue that they brought to our our House of Delegates uh, through their uh, Medical Association of Atlanta. And it was an issue that's important enough to them to bring it to the House of Delegates where they're not getting any financial reward out of this. This is not like at the end of the day where um, this is an, an insurance issue or something like that. This is an issue that does not impact their practices in, in a way that makes it easier for them to practice medicine That's right um, for their patients. So this is something that goes outside of those boundaries, so I can't commend them enough, um, and it's an honor to represent them uh, in the capacity that I do, so thank you both.
0: Thank you. I definitely appreciate y'all taking time out of your busy day to be with us today and all the folks that made us a part of their day today. Thank you very much. We really appreciate you. And for the folks that do click share for us, thank you very much. It's really all about getting the word out. We, as you've seen uh, in our series that we've done here with Medical Association of Georgia, we've talked about some really important issues for uh, folks around the state of Georgia. And uh, we look forward to continuing that. They've been great partners. We'll catch you all next time. And we'll see you then.